You're listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson, the podcast that tells you what it really takes to build a business and the simple steps to get you there. I'm determined to share with you the reality of easy, simple business marketing tips to make passive income so that you can start making money online. As entrepreneurs, you know speaking can help generate leads and help you make more money online. Well, my friend Trisha Brooke is the transformational speaker mentor for you. If you want to shift from being a good speaker to a great speaker, there is someone I know who can guarantee your success. I've known Trisha for years and she's one of the best in the business. She's literally supported thousands of thought leaders in becoming top speakers and influential voices. Speaking is how you become the authority in your field. When you have the tools and techniques to speak effectively as a leader, your credibility skyrockets. Trisha is teaching a two-day live virtual masterclass on February the 7th and 8th for just $47. This masterclass only happens twice a year, so you need to register now so you can add speaking to your business model for 2024. Speaking is a lucrative revenue stream for many entrepreneurs, and virtual speaking is a thing too. And that's why Trisha's two-day live virtual masterclass is so important. When you have the skills to effectively communicate, your speaking career will add to the revenue streams you already have in place to make more money online. And like me, she's high integrity, no scarcity marketing, and consensual selling. Head on over to theartofthebigtalk.com forward slash MMO and start stepping onto big stages. You'll find the link in the show notes. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. One of the things that has happened to me over the last sort of couple of years is I started building a business to make money. I had to get out of debt. It was the reason that I had a business in the first place and it did that. But I slowly started to realize that making money for now is one thing, but what about the future? Like, I realized that I needed to make wealth as well as money now. I think there's a real difference between being rich and being wealthy and, you know, knowing that when you want to retire and stop working, you can still live and to the standard that you've been living while you've been making money. And so some of the things I've been doing recently have been about investing for the future, not just for now. And the person that I have on today is really good at this. And I wanted to have a conversation with her about how she started doing that and how she's making money. So welcome to the podcast, Neve Eading. Neve helps people leave corporate life to follow a career in consultancy and property development. So there's lots of different angles to what Neve does, and I want to delve into some of them. So welcome, Neve. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. No worries. Let's get started with when you first started your first business, what was that business in? Well, my very first business was actually a speech and drama school, um, because when I left school and uh, was heading into university, um, I knew I needed uh, an income to get me through university. And so um, I had also, um, as lots of kids do, I'd done all the speech and drama exams, done my speech and drama diploma. And so I thought, okay, I will set up a little speech and drama school. And rather than uh, work in a bar or work in a pub and make five pounds an hour, I'll get small children's parents to pay me four pounds an hour. Um, I'll put 10 of them in a class and I'll make 40 pounds. So I started a speech and drama school at the age of 17. And my sister joined me a year later and we uh, we paid our way uh, very well through university. We were very <laughs> <laughs> 
And and actually, my sister still runs that business today with my sister-in-law. It's now Ireland's biggest stage school, and they have a thousand pupils. Um, they employ forty-five teachers. Um, it's a real success. That's so, it survives today. <laughs> and you then went down the consultancy route. Yeah. Tell me a bit about that. I got my degree at university and left university, went on a well-trodden path from uh, Dublin to London uh, with lots of my friends and started to work for some of the big management consulting firms in the UK. And I did that for a number of years and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the work, gave me great experience, but I was an entrepreneur at heart. Um, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs um, and I knew I would always have my own business. So uh, 25 years ago now, um, I set up my own management consulting firm um, and <clears throat> it was very niche. Um, it was advising uh, law firms um, on business strategy and technology strategy to allow them to, um, to maximize technology, really, uh, to run their businesses more efficiently. Um, very niche. And it was and my my clients were and still are um, the top 250 law firms in the world because I still run that business today. And that went well and you made money from that business and you made a lot of money from that business. When did you first start thinking, hold on a minute, what about later on? Okay, so I, I exactly, I've run that business for a long time. It was, it's a great cash flowing business. It was very much a lifestyle business uh, initially um, because it has allowed me to um, to live the life I've, I've wanted to live, a very flexible life. I have um, two teenage daughters. Um, I've been around for all of their school shows, plays, holidays. Um, it, you know, it's given us an amazing lifestyle. And as they started to grow up, and as the business became less taxing for me, because I don't do any of the consulting, I just run the business. You know, my my role in the business is very much a CEO role. Um, I manage the relationships with um, the law firms. I manage the relationships with uh, partners. I have some big partnerships and I manage the relationships with my consultants, obviously. So I had more time, more free time, and my children were starting to grow up and I came to the realization that a couple of things, actually, if I stopped doing what I was doing today, what would happen? What would happen to my business? Now, whilst I had stepped away from the actual doing um, of the consulting, it still would grind to a halt because I was very much, uh, you know, a, a center of, of that business. Um, it, you know, it, it doesn't hold my name. It doesn't have my name in the title, but you run. I run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, and that's like, like lots of us, isn't it? We're, lots of us are running a business that actually, if we weren't in it, would stop. Absolutely. Um, because you are the person that people know. You know, I'm the person that, you know, these law firms know. I've, I've been in this business for 25 years. You know, people know me. I could put a manager in, but, you know, ultimately I would still be involved and it, and it would stop, you know, it would stop very quickly. And I guess I started to come to that age as well, where you start to think, like, like, why am I on this earth? And, you know, what am I going to leave behind? And, um, you know, what, what am I going to live on when I retire? I, and I hate the word retire. Um, it's, it's such an outmoded, outdated concept. But, yeah, so that, you know, that was all mulling around in my head. And I had, you know, a bit more free time. Um, my children were now at school. And I thought, what could I do 
the, the other thing that was playing on my mind was I don't like to have, I don't like to rely on one revenue stream. Uh, multiple, you know, multiple sources of income um, is where it's at uh, because, you know, all sorts of things can happen. And so the, the thing that caught my attention and I knew it always would, I did had dabbled in property in the past. I knew that that was where real wealth um, was created. Generational wealth is created. Um, I had a couple of buy to let properties um, kind of by accident, you know, properties I'd moved out of and just kept and rented out and they were okay, but they weren't that exciting um, and I didn't think that was my route to um, you know generational wealth but I knew that I would do something in in the property field and it's, it's interesting with property because there's so much information out there and there'll be people saying you know don't bother getting into property that's not how you make money and there'll be people saying yeah just buy loads of properties and that will be your pension and there's so much information out there and so much information as well about how much money you need to even start going into property like I was terrified of property because people told me you know you need like a million to put into it to even start with anything but you didn't start with a lot of money in property no so I think I think there are two very extreme schools of thought on property there's a whole load of people that think and believe that you need a lot of money to start in property there's another whole narrative um, that's played out a lot, um, particularly by you know, property gurus and trainers, that you need no money at all to start in property. Um, I don't subscribe to either of those schools of thought. Um, you don't need a lot of money, but you do need some money uh, to start in property. And how much you need depends really on, on what you're going to do um, and how you're going to go about it. What did you do? So what I did, well, the first thing I did was I went and got some education because I'm a real, I'm a real believer in education. I love, edu I love learning new things. Um, I always go and look for somebody who's done what I want to do and done it well, because it, why, why would you dabble around and make all the mistakes and, and, and lose money um, and, and take forever to, you know, to, to get going. I went and I found a woman who was uh, running a kind of property mentoring. She had she had an amazing track record and um, she doesn't do it anymore. She doesn't, she doesn't do mentoring anymore, but she definitely does property and um, she's retired and living in Barbados. <laughs> it worked. <then. laughs> so I thought, okay. She looks like someone I could follow and uh, work out what she'd done. And, and she just opened my eyes to, you know, how to finance property um, developments. And there's a, you know, there's a whole world of how, how you do that. Uh, you did the, um, different types of uh, property you can get into. You know, it's not just about buy to let, you know, there's development, property development. You can uh, develop residential property. You can have commercial property. There, there's a whole world out there of different property strategies. And I just soaked up all of that information um, and learned as much as I could and um, made contacts with um, you know, the right people that I needed to make contact with. And then there's no better way than um, just getting on and doing it then. So, uh, you know, <laughs> after kind of, uh, you know, following her around for a, for a year and, you know, getting to know people in the industry, uh, talking about it, um, I then just got on with it. I knew that I wasn't going to do small stuff because that's um, there's no point in doing, you know, learning all this um, 
you're learning from somebody who's ex as experienced at this and then just going, I'll just buy a couple of buy to lets. And it'll take too long to make money on that as well. Yeah. Like you want yeah. big money. Yeah. And the big, the good thing about the excellent thing about property is the ability to use leverage. And that's not just leveraging money, which, you know, property is a great way of leveraging the pot of money you've got. Um, and you do that through all sorts of lending and um, both investor lending and bank lending. Um, but also it allows you to leverage skills. You know, you can't, um, you won't be able to do everything in a property business. Um, and I and I kind of modeled what I do in my consulting business into my property business. So I looked at what is my skill set? What do I do in my consulting business? I am the, the piece in the middle that brings all of the other pieces together. So I find the clients, I find the partners, you know, I find the deals, et cetera. And that's exactly what I do in my property business. You like know, I manage a sort of role. Yeah, like a the person, the deal maker, the person who brings the deal together. And then what what do I need to deliver that deal? You know, I need a whole raft of people, you know, architects, um, planners, uh, finance people, project managers, all sorts of people in order to be able to deliver that product at the end. And that and that's all it is. You know, you're just delivering a product, whether that product is, a, you know, a block of apartments or um, a commercial office space, retail space, whether you're selling that product or whether you're retaining that product into your portfolio, they're all just different aspects of that property business. Yeah. And uh, and and that's that's what I did. I just found my I found my niche, you know, what what what, what am I good at? And then I bought in all of the other skill sets into that business. Oh, that first property that you sort of made, was it did you develop a something so my very first property deal I didn't develop at all so I secured a an old an old college building um that was up for sale and um I secured that um under a, a contract um I went through the planning process with that to convert it into 10 apartments and I then I, I did intend actually to go ahead and and develop that out but I was approached um, through my architects by a company who wanted to buy that building with planning. And they were prepared to buy it for a lot more than I had, was about to pay for it. Okay. So my first deal, I actually didn't develop anything at all. I just put planning on the building and flipped it on and, and made a profit. That's good. Um, so, yeah, that was brilliant. And I still, uh, that strategy today is still part of my kind of um portfolio of strategies um as when it were you do that, when you have like a contract and they're expecting you to buy like an old college building do you have to put all the money in for that yourself because I'm assuming that's like quite a lot of money to buy a college building no you don't have to put all the money in yourself and and also you'd be surprised at how little um you can pick up an old college building for for example so commercial buildings so people think about you know going out and buying a house and you know doing it up and selling it on um and, and you can do that it's a very good property strategy and you will make money um if you do it correctly but actually old commercial space is is far cheaper per square foot or per square meter than you know run down residential space for example 
so to, to give you an idea, I could buy a four bedroomed house in my city, for example, for you know, a rundown four bedroomed house in my city for about 350,000. Or I could buy, which I have done in the past, I could buy an old school building for 350,000 and convert it into 10 apartments. I could buy a building that has four commercial units on the ground floor, um, so four shops, and two floors above it, which were old grotty restaurant space. And I could convert those restaurant spaces into six nice apartments. Um, oh, actually, the money isn't the money you're buying it with. It's the converting bit. The converting. It's what you make out of it. So you're making a silk purse out of a sow's ear. So for 350000 I bought this big chunk of property in a very, very smart, you know, tourist area of the town. I could have bought a four-bedroom house for that or I could buy this. I now have six really smart apartments. Um, I left them out on um, a serviced accommodation and I have four retail units. But how would you, know, you rather do? Well, I know which I'd rather do. <laughs> how do you get people to put in the money to kind of do the conversion bit? Okay, so uh, there are several ways that you can do this. Um, there's bank lending. They're not your normal banks, so you you, know, you don't trot down to uh, Lloyd's Bank. Uh, although Lloyd's do um, do some um, do some commercial lending to developers, but, but you know that's not where you go. There are specialist lenders for developers for builders, um, and they will provide all sorts of the, the 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 algorithms that they have for how much they will lend you are quite complex, but they will lend you the funds to purchase a building, uh, the funds to renovate, you know, develop, um, build new houses. You know, I, I sometimes buy old care homes, which um, I convert the old care home into apartments. And then an old care home is a great, a great development site because they typically come with a, a bit of land around them or a, or a grotty old building that you can demolish. And then you can build some new houses on the site. And there are lenders uh, out there that will provide uh, lending for those sort of projects. There's also private lending. You get a, an awful lot of um, private individuals, organisations, pension funds um, that will lend uh, for a return on their money um, to, uh, to you know, developers that have a good track record. Did so, you not find this scary at the beginning? Like, I kind of think I'd love to do this. Like, I'm fascinated in this kind of stuff. And I'd love to go and buy a care home and go, right, I'm going to make four apartments. It's going to look amazing. But then it's like having to go and, and get somebody else's money, which is like millions. And then what if it all goes wrong? Like, it terrifies me. <laughs> well, the first thing to say is it definitely can't go wrong. Because... <laughs> There'll be some very, very angry and very broke people yeah. knocking on your door. Um, so, yeah, you have to uh, you have to make sure before you start that you have all your ducks in a row. You need to know the end game. You need to know how much that building, that you know, development is going to be worth at the end, uh, with a with a, a giant margin. Uh, for error in there so you do need a nice comfortable contingency in there uh, the other thing you need is multiple exits so people a lot of people don't realize this when they go into something they go oh I'm going to sell that at the end or I'm going to 
uh, you know, I'm going to keep that at the end. What you need to be able to do is prove that whatever the market is doing at the time, you can pivot to multiple exits. So you can sell the entire scheme if you are intending to keep it, or you can keep it if you were intending to you know, sell it. Uh, you could do a bit of both. And uh, so you could sell some, keep some. So, you know, if you've got a, a development of, you know, 10, 15 properties, flats or houses or commercial units, it may well be that you sell a portion of them to pay down the debt um, and then, you know, finance out the rest or, you know, you, you might get a, I always call them um free commercial units is one of my strategies where if you buy a if you walk down any high street you'll see a shop uh with two floors above it for example those floors may or may not be converted into apartments um but you can buy that building either convert or tidy up the apartments above sell off the apartments above and to pay down your debt and then have a free commercial unit Oh, it doesn't set the world alight, you know, a, a small shop on a parade let out to, you know, some mom and pop business on a, a long lease, say, for 15 years. But, you know, it brings in a nice steady income. Well, and, that's it. And it's about you know, starting, you know, you can't all start with your giant things. Yeah. Can you? you start small and then you use the money you've made to get the next one, I presume. Yeah. And and really, I have I have kind of three strategies underpinning my uh, property development business two broad strategies one is building a pot of money so i can become my own bank you know more and more over time and the second one then is building up assets uh, that i can hold on to and keep um so i do three main things i do like my very first my very first project that i told you about but you know um buying something that doesn't have planning so taking that risk putting planning on it and selling it with planning. That's a great strategy. You know, you, you haven't got a huge amount invested in there. You don't need a huge amount of money to do that. And it will build up your, your pot of cash for it to allow you to become your own bank. Um, then I build to sell. So I buy stuff that I then develop out and sell often in, in its entirety. So my second project, for example, was uh, two floors of office space that I converted into 14 apartments. And I sold all of those. And that gave me a great big pot of cash that I could then, that, that then makes you very agile in the marketplace when you're looking to purchase stuff because cash, cash, particularly at the moment, cash is king and um, with the way lending is going at the moment. And then the third thing, which is where the real generational wealth starts to come in, is I now retain an awful lot of what I develop. And that is either... Um, residential or commercial space and I retain that into a portfolio which will generate an income for me um, and for my my daughters and hopefully generations to come and, and will change the trajectory of their of their lifestyle their lives amazing I think what you've done is amazing because you didn't have the skills for this you went and learned how to do something and then made a ton of money after learning how to do it, which, and you know, you took risks, you have to take risks when you do these things and they paid off. And I'm sure that there will be some that didn't pay off, but you learn from them, um, which I absolutely love. And you now teach others how to do this and how to do consultancy, yeah? Yes, um, I mean, I think, you know, people reach a stage in their lives like I did, where, you know, you you realize that you want to 
create a lifestyle for yourself in the future. Also, I think a lot of people reach a stage in their careers where they think, you know, maybe kind of rather than I don't like throwing out ages, but, you know, maybe when you kind of reach that age of 50 and you're still working in a corporate job and you think, oh, can I really do this uh, for the rest of my days? And also, do you really want to retire at, you know, 65 and just do nothing? Like, what what are you going to do? So um, I think you kind of need two things in your life. One, one is something that generates you an income. And an awful lot of people who've worked in corporate for a long time think, well, how could I generate an income for myself? I've always worked in corporate. So many of those people can leave and just do the same thing on a more flexible basis um, and sell their services back into the corporations that they worked for. So I help people to do that because that's essentially what I did um, when I set up my consulting business. Uh, I just did the same thing, but I did it myself. Um, and I built up a, a team around me. You don't need to do that. You could just do it yourself. So I do help people leave the confines of corporate and and set up their own businesses. And often people are very, uh, they're worried about that. Not so much worried about their own skill set, but they're worried about all of the bits around them that they have in a corporation. You know, in a corporation, you've got an HR department, you've got, you've got somebody who literally does everything, um, you know, who prints out the badges when you walk into the building. Um, but having run a, run a business um, all my life, I realized that there are lots of people out there that can help you do that. There's a whole, you know, the, there's like a virtual corporation of people. Yeah. You know, the people that can help you do your PR, people who can help we you do it all the time. All the time. You know, and, and again, it's all about leverage. You know, do what you, you're good at and then let the other people you know, employ the other skills as and when you need them. You don't need to employ them. They don't need to be sitting at desks in your in your front room um you know you can build your virtual corporation and so that i help people do that and then i also help people get started in property development there's an awful lot of an awful lot of con men and women yeah. <laughs> um, in the property education space people who've not really done it they you know, i know there's that old phrase isn't there people who can do and people who can't teach yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you don't want that with something like this. You want someone who's done it. <laughs> you don't want some, you know, wide boy standing in front of his Ferrari going, um, oh, I've, you know, made a fortune in property. They haven't. You know, yeah. They often have just made a fortune telling people, um, you know, untruths about how to make a fortune in property. So I feel I have a lot to offer the world uh, because I've actually done it. I've been there, done it, still doing it. So I help people to, to get started. Well, watch this space because Neve is going to help me get started <laughs> because it's something oh, I've always wanted to do. Okay. And looking forward to this. Yeah, me and Sam are going to get started on our property journey and Neve's going to help. And I will um, talk about it on this podcast. I will let you know how it all goes so you can see how it works. But if you are thinking, do you know what? I need help with this. Go to Neve. Neve, where is the best place for them to come seek you out? So I have started to put some stuff out on, on social media. So I now have an Instagram page and a Facebook page. Um, I'm known as a most unlikely builder um, because I build buildings, build businesses, build wealth. 
Um, and yeah, so you'll find me. And my name is quite difficult. Um, it's a difficult spelling. So I have, I do have my name in the title, but if you Google a most unlikely builder, you will find me on all social platforms. And don't worry, we're going to put the links in the show notes as well. So you'll be able to find me really easily. Thanks, Neve, for coming on and talking to us about this. It, I could talk about it all day. Like property fascinates me and I'm also terrified of it. So it's like those two things. Oh, that I'm that person that just buys one to let. And yeah. done really I mean, well. It's not making me very much money. No, hold on a minute. Wait for the wealth. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on and telling us about this. And thank you everybody for listening as always. Um, go and have a look at Leave, and I will be back next week with another episode of Making Money Online. Thank you for listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson. If you'd like to get hold of my guide to launching, go to lisajohnson.com forward slash launch and let's get you making money online.